Business Hour with Oli Bocheng on OFM, the sound of your life. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, the OFM Business Hour. Uh, you mind just introducing yourself, although everyone knows who you are, and telling us what it is that you do at the SA sure. Guild of Actors. My name is Jack Devnerine. I'm an actor and I'm chairman of the South African Guild of Actors, or Saga. All right, Jack, before we delve into the Copyright Amendment Bill and how it, alongside the Performance Protection Bill, aims to support artists, musicians, and creatives, the actors and writers' strike in the U.S. is ongoing. Are there parallels between their complaints pertaining to residuals, considering that we also have content on streaming platforms like Netflix, and the experience of South African actors, writers, creators? Yeah, they're very strong parallels because there are important provisions that are being tabled for negotiation in the U.S. And the American Actors Union, SAG-AFTRA, is trying to negotiate with those streamers and the studios so that we don't see a complete abuse of actors' rights in film and television. Now, in South Africa, we don't have that mechanism for negotiating with the broadcasters or the streamers. So the issues that were in question and that led to the strike in the U.S. are in South Africa right now. They have found their way into South African actors' contracts, and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. So we we are seeing a, a slide into that kind of open abuse and exploitation that the U.S. has been able to stop with their strike action, but we will be entirely abused by, the, by those changes in the contracts. By mechanisms, do you mean unions, organized bodies? What do you mean by mechanisms? Yes, specifically the right to unionize mm-hmm. and the right to engage in collective bargaining. Now, if you have to look at sectors around our country in South Africa, you already have unionization. You already have unions engaging in collective bargaining. So you'd find them working in mining and manufacturing and transport and agriculture. Wherever you look, sectors are being regulated by the rights to unionize and to engage in collective bargaining. But in South Africa, our creative sector is very different in that we do not have the right to unionize and thus we don't have the right to engage in collective bargaining as our counterparts around the world already do. That is utterly shocking. What is the reason behind this? We, we never really worked out a reason and we are trying very hard to get the Department of Employment and Labor to understand that without some form of regulation, our creative sector is completely vulnerable to open exploitation and abuse of not just our working conditions, but also when you look at the the artist's intellectual property rights. And this is where we are trying to raise the alarm with governments to show that unless we create some form of regulation that is enforceable by law, we will simply never be able to have any input in actors' rights and in the contracts that are being drafted for us. Mm. Well, Jack, you've been very vocal, I think, about the lack of presence, I think, by the Department of Arts and Culture. Have you seen any improvement no, we haven't. We haven't seen an, any um, meaningful intervention by the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture. And I'm not about to ask them because I would much rather have input from government departments that are well versed in how to introduce policies and regulations in order to assist. And so far, we've, we, we haven't seen any meaningful proposals from the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture. So I would much rather that they did us all a favor and stayed out of it. I mean, would you say that artists and bodies like yours are treating the creative or the performing arts like a regular business? In other words, is, is that mindset or that shift already existing amongst the fraternity? Or is 
is there a problem there as well? And that's why it's not translating to outside bodies or outside governing departments like the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture, like the Department of Labor? I think that that question points to some of the failures within our industry as well. So I like to refer to it as an industry. But as you point out, unless everyone within and outside our industry regards it as an actual industry, I'm afraid it's going to be treated as little more than a recreation. And you don't get to regulate a a recreation. You get to regulate an industry. Mm. So we need for performers those elements from within the industry, those people who form the actual lifeblood of the sector, to start seeing this as as an actual industry. One of the hallmarks of an industry is that there is fair regulation. And when it comes to regulation, it means that all the stakeholders involved in that sector need to have a mechanism for making their inputs heard. So we have a lot of work to do in trying to get not just those bodies outside of the sector, for example, governments or you know perhaps international studios and streamers, but we need to create awareness. We need to mobilize all those elements from within the sector to understand that we need a voice of solidarity that speaks for regulation Mm -hmm. and make proposals as to what that regulation might look like. And until we have that, we're not going to be seen as or treated as an industry. Now, speaking of regulation, uh, you recently, alongside other bodies and groups, released a joint statement pledging your support to the Copyright Amendment Bill. And of course, uh, calling out misinformation that is being spread by other groups about said bill. Let's start with how the bill aims to support artists, musicians and creatives before we get into the misinformation that's out there about it. Sure. The the bills are a form of transforming and revising existing pieces of legislation. The Performance Protection Act is from 1967. The Copyright Act is from 1978. And both these pieces of legislation are so hopelessly outdated and obsolete that they are actually of no relevance whatsoever in any practical sense in the modern technological world that we have with social media and streaming. So the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition sought to revise these pieces of legislation in order to modernize them and in order to actually achieve the objectives that they were intended for. So how does the Performance Protection Act protect actors? That's the big question. Mm. How does the Copyright Act actually protect the intellectual property rights of creatives? And what these bills seek to do is to create a regime where the two pieces of legislation are linked to each other and they're able to deliver the kind of protection and offer the kind of framework that will allow creatives to earn from the exploitation of their work, to own their work, and also for their work to be internationally recognized, to be shared and appreciated so that they can earn a sustainable living. Well, let's unpack why there's been a great deal of misinformation about both bills, the Performance Protection Bill and the Copyright Amendment Bill. What is the general rhetoric there in that regard? Well, let's explore why there's such opposition. Understand that within an unregulated sector where you have pieces of legislation that have no traction in order to deliver on their objectives, the people who actually profit from that sort of situation are the people who own the intellectual property rights, are the people who unilaterally can exploit the commercial advantage of that content. In that sense, you are looking at broadcasters, producers, streamers, and studios that 
proliferate and basically take all the work that the performers are doing, musicians, composers, writers, artists, and basically own it so that they can, they, the artists themselves don't have a right to, to make any kind of commercial gain from that. So the, the bills seek to address this imbalance. And we are trying now to establish that the, the monopolies that were created out of the old legislation can be broken so that the people who actually create the content deserve to get a fair and equitable share of their own work. And you'll see this very, very clearly when you're looking at the, the, the issues unfolding in the U.S. strike, where U.S. actors are saying, we don't earn any residuals from the streamers. And yes, it's true, South Africans don't earn any residuals either, but we also don't even have a right to earn royalties on our work as South African actors. And this is absolutely unforgivable. It's unconscionable that in 2023, South African actors still don't have the right to earn royalties as a form of remuneration from their work, whereas this already exists around the world. So we, we need for our legislators, our lawmakers, to recognize that there are people who are pushing for transformation. They're pushing to revise our pieces of legislation. And there are those who already have the commercial advantage, who hold the monopoly, who are trying to block this transformation. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Jack, for that. Let's get into why we don't have royalties. I'm a bit perplexed and dumbfounded. Like it's the first time I'm taking a deep dive into our our industry. So it's just about so concerning. Um, A very good example to describe the situation is the late great actor Henry Trele, Mm -hmm. who played the title role of the 1985 TV series Shaka Zulu. Now, it's reported that the original series of Shaka Zulu has traveled the world over and over. It has been, you know, sold and licensed as DVDs and sold to other broadcasters, licensed to other territories. And in total, it's estimated that that series earned over 5 billion rand. 5 billion rand is a massive amount of money for a 1985 series. But if you look at how that money was dispersed, who did it benefit is the question. And Henry Kale died in his very early 60s, a heartbroken and a broken man who didn't earn a single cent of that revenue. Not one cent of that revenue. He was he was paid his performance fee, but nothing else thereafter as the movie continued, as the series continued to be licensed around the world. So we have to ask ourselves, what kind of regime are we in that prevents an actor from earning a fair and equitable share of the remuneration of the work that is now being licensed around the world? And our lawmakers have a lot to answer for here because royalties exist in some form or another as a necessary function of the exploitation of the work on an ongoing basis. Royalties actually provide a small residual income as a percentage of the licensing fee as the movie or the series continues to be licensed around the world. This is an accepted norm because it recognizes that in our world as creatives, we work from one job to the next as freelancers. At a certain point, the actor let's just say, who has established a body of work over 30 or 40 years, as somebody like the late Shalene Thirty Richards has, she reached a point where she could no longer continue working because of her ill health. And because she couldn't work because of her health, meant that she couldn't earn. But at the same time, the producers and the broadcasters continued to earn from her work done in the past. 
So how, how is that even morally acceptable, that somebody who had established a body of work over 40 years couldn't earn a residual income so that she could no longer continue in the work that she was so exceptionally good at and so recognized for? And what royalties do is that it, it addresses that problem. Based on your work, you should be able to earn a residual income in the form of a royalty. And this, this is what we are hoping will change the game. And no sooner did we have this royalty clause introduced into the bill and for a approval by our lawmakers did we have the streamers arrive in South Africa yeah. and their message was simple well we don't pay royalties anywhere in the world anyway well thank you so much Jack uh, for chatting to us today it's really been a pleasure being in your company I've learned so much all in all why is it important I think for artists to arm themselves a with knowledge of the bills that do exist that aim to protect them in some ways and of course continue to fight the good fight in terms of getting more rights and eventually hopefully getting your royalties I think you know, you've already contained the answer within your question. Uh, really, actors are the only ones who will be fighting for royalties. They are the only ones who will be fighting for their own rights. If actors can't fight, push, lobby, and canvas for those rights, there is nobody else who will fight for them. This is not going to be a, a charitable offering by streamers, producers, broadcasters, and studios. Those entities are here to eat as much as they possibly can from the trough being filled by the content actors create. And if we are not the ones to demand that we are paid our fair share, we are certainly not going to get any kind of assistance or charity from any one of those other producers or broadcasters. Thank you so much, Jack, for chatting to us on the Over <laughs> oh, Business Hour. It's a great hour. pleasure. The Business Hour with Oliver Fang on OFM.